Well, good morning, church. Good to see you here today. I uh, appreciate your attendance uh, very much. Most of you received a communication uh, from me uh, on behalf of the church board. We met uh, as a church board and on uh, Tuesday, and as we were talking about other things, we are talking about the COVID issue and and then what the governor was, we didn't know what the governor was going to say on Wednesday night and so forth and so on. But as a result of, of what uh, our governor has said, you know, I sent the um, letter to you in a lot of different ways through email and Facebook and put it on the homepage. And I, if you didn't see that, I would ask that you would check that out, at least on our homepage. And basically, it doesn't say really anything new, just to continue to take the seriousness of of his July 23rd order to heart and uh, just be cautious and those things that we're supposed to do we we've memorized them and we all know uh, those things and in, in, a, in a church setting it's uh, really really difficult to enforce those nor do we even want to enforce it I don't think enforcing even feels right or feels Christian Businesses now are supposed to enforce that in some way. For us to do that by a person at the door or going around into your pews certainly doesn't seem like something a church ought to be doing. We just ask you to uh, just be cautious. I don't uh, like to tell you how you have to protect yourself and your family, but as for, for all of us here, let's pay attention uh, to those precautions and um, adhere to those uh, especially as we're walking in the hallways and so forth and, and, and so on, especially as you're uh, teaching a Sunday school class or whatever it may be, um, working with the kids or whatever, and as you're representing the church. So I thank you as you consider uh, continue to, to do that. Um, we're in a series called The Gospel According to Country Music, and each Sunday I'm taking a country music song that may or may not be overtly Christian uh, and taking the lesson from that song and showing you how that is a biblical lesson for us and that is not only truth from a country song, it's truth from God's word as well. Today is a, um, a song that was never really made popular. Uh, it was recorded by several different people. The recording that I have here is, is Waylon Jennings' recording of it. Uh, it's one that will be new to most of you, even though even some of you that would be consider yourself country music fans. Uh, the title of it is "Where Corn Don't Grow." Listen to it, please. As we sat on the front porch of that old gray house where I was born and raised. Stared out at the dusty fields where daddy always worked hard every day. I think it kind of hurting when I said, Daddy, there's a lot that I don't know. But don't you ever dream about a life where corn don't grow. Sat there silent, staring at his favorite coffee cup. I saw a storm of mixed emotion in his eyes when he looked up. 
He said, son, I know it's your age. It feels like this whole world is turning slow. And you think you'll find the answer to it all where corn don't grow. Hard times to real. There's dusty fields no matter where you go. You may change your mind. Cause the weeds are high where corn don't grow. I remember feeling guilty when Daddy turned and walked back in the house. I was only 17 back then. But it seems like I knew more than I do now I can't say he didn't tell me This city life's a hard road to go It's funny how a dream can turn around Where corn don't grow Hard times to read There's dusty fields change your mind cause the weeds are high where corn don't grow you may change your mind cause the weeds are high where corn don't grow um, that song is not primarily about the virtues of living in the country or the city even though obviously that comes through. Um, that song, when I hear it, and from the first time I heard it till now, that song is about the grass and greener on the other side. And that's a lesson that some of us have had to learn. And I've certainly made decisions in my life that I look back on and feel like I shouldn't have made that decision. And the reason, really the only reason I made it was because I felt like the grass was greener on the other side. As you, um, if you, if you Google that on YouTube and, and, and watch the video of that and then scroll down and look at the comments, they'll be filled with people that said, yeah, yeah, I never wanted to see a tractor ever again in my life. <laughs> but, <laughs> and it's filled with people that are saying, yeah, that was my, that, that's me right there. That was me at 17, um, thinking I knew more than I really did. And um, so when I take, hear that song and hear the wisdom that's in that song, uh, you, go to, you go to scripture and, and, and there's not a verse that talks about grass not being greener on the other side. There's not any verse that even comes close to that, but there is a good bit in the Bible that speaks of peace and contentment in our lives. And, and, and at, at that time, this 17-year-old obviously thought there was, more, there was more peace and contentment somewhere else than where he was and um, the Bible talks about peace and contentment. There's a lot of places it does, but in the, the in Philippians chapter four is the most it does in one place. So a lot of little verses that you can pull out that that's a peace and contentment verse. But as far as a whole reading, 
there's no more of a place that you have several verses in a row that's about peace and contentment. I don't like to read as many verses as I'm getting ready to read, but I do think it's necessary to do this. It comes from Philippians. Remember, Paul was sitting in jail when he uh, wrote this. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, anxious doesn't mean don't care about anything and just have a life of no cares. No, anxious, the word anxious literally means to be ripped apart, to be divided. And so it's not saying you don't care about anything, but no, don't be anxious, don't be divided, don't be ripped apart, don't be torn to pieces over anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Verse 9 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And then he shifts gears just a little bit, but we're staying with the same type of theme here. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have renewed your concern for me. So he's sitting in jail, and the only reason anybody back in those times got any niceties at all or the things that they needed other than the uh, food that would keep them alive was that people sent them gifts. So Paul has received a gift from the Philippian church. He says, I rejoice greatly that at last you have renewed your concern for me. And indeed, you were concerned, but you didn't have an opportunity to show it. Okay? I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content. And if anybody was going to preach on contentment, these are the verses they would usually go to. Uh, I have learned to be content whatever the situation is, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And he seems to say the secret is I can do all things through through him who gives me strength. And the hymn would obviously be Christ Jesus. So it looks like the wind's going to blow, so let's don't freak out. It, it'll, the building will withstand it, okay? Uh, peace uh, and contentment. Grass is not greener on the other side. I want to tell you from these verses of Scripture, something that I think we know anyway, but from these verses of Scripture, it plainly says that peace and contentment is an inside job. It's not something that we go for on on the outside and try uh, to get. Some technique that we try to do. The Bible clearly says that that in the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, what is peace and what is contentment? As I try to distinguish between those two, it's hard to distinguish between them because they're very close. Uh, Contentment is, is... Paul says, I've I've had a lot and I've had a little. I've been in Hungary and I've had plenty. And so contentment is something that there's a a certain state of levelness for me. I don't go way up. I don't go way down. Even if I uh, don't have much or if I have a whole lot, there's a certain levelness for me right here that uh, is a state of contentment. And and so I think we can say that peace and contentment is a a certain steadiness that we, 
we have that is not dependent on our circumstances. And that's what Paul plainly said. It's not dependent on whether I have plenty or whether I have one, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm well fed. It's not dependent on the circumstances. So it's not dependent on the outside circumstances. Nice house, nice car, nice wife, nice husband, all that. It's not con con dependent on that. It's an inside job. So it's a kind of a, 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 a levelness in our lives. But then there's another fascinating passage that says, and the peace of God will transcend, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, when you look that word guard up in the original language, it literally is a military word that, that, is, that is meaning that there are military folks guarding your house. That's the word Paul chose, and he could have chose other words there. So, it's, so this peace and contentment is certainly a, a sense of security, that things are going to be okay with me. And Paul says, well, th this peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and it will guard your mind. It's almost like um, uh, being insecure about something and not being able to sleep, but also knowing that I've got 15 military guys surrounding my house and things are going to be okay. So it's a certain levelness, a contentment, a certain levelness and contentment and peace is also a certain security that I feel that is comes from God being in my life. But what I want to tell you that it's an inside job. So what I, so the first thing we say, and it's an unbelievably important thing as we run through all of this, is that peace and contentment come as a gift from God. Peace and contentment come as a gift from God. And there's a lot of people that try a whole, whole lot of other things to try to find some peace and try to find some contentment but this passage of scripture and other passages as well say it's an inside job and it comes as a gift of God's grace to you now as I googled this week peace and contentment and we're looking at other ways in a secular way that people try to find peace and contentment I found myself on YouTube and I found myself coming to this video about this guy that he testifies that for the last 14 years he's not made a penny or spent a penny and he lives off of absolutely no, and he lives in a cave somewhere. There he is, okay? I don't know how you get a sunburn in a cave, but I, I guess that's what you do. So there's this 40-minute video on YouTube about this guy that he says, I don't make a penny and I don't spend a penny. So I watched that whole 40-minute video, and it, it was not the best 40 minutes use of my time, but I watched all of it. And... Um, and, and, and then after that YouTube video, I looked at the comments below and so many people said, oh, I envy this guy so much. He, he's, they showed him diving in dumpsters for food. That is peace and contentment. Diving in dumpsters for food. I think there's a lot of ways that, that we as human beings have tried to find peace and contentment. They mostly are outside things. I find the new house. I find the new car. I find the new town to live in. I find the new church. I find the new wife. I find the new husband. I find the new job. I find the new dress. I, whatever it may be, most of those things are outside. And let's say probably for a while that does bring some peace and contentment. But you know as well as I that that would be fleeting because real peace and real contentment according to the scriptures is an inside job and it comes the peace that passes all understanding comes as a gift from God 
It's the peace of God. It's the peace of God in your life. Now, here's the problem. Whether it's peace or contentment or any other gifts that God may give us, the problem is that we seek the gift and we don't seek the giver. That's really, really important. The human condition is that we seek the gift, but we don't seek the giver. That's the human condition. And this passage shows us, as well as others, that it's not the gift we should seek, it's the giver that we should seek. And any gifts that come from the giver come as a result, come as a function of seeking Him, seeking God. And the obvious passage that you're getting ready to blurt out right now is, is, is Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you as well. I think part of the human condition and part of the lie that we buy into many times is we seek is we seek the gifts. We don't seek the giver. And as we seek the giver, the gifts that he give us, gives us, we're satisfied with those. Not that we sought those, it's just that we're seeking his face and as Anthony prayed, it's, it's, it's a, a relationship with him that we're seeking. And whatever flows from that, we're thankful for Whatever gifts come from that or whatever gifts don't come from that, we're thankful for that. But it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cart before the horse kind of thing. And how many people in my 24 years of ministry have shown up at church for three or four weeks because their wife left them, because their husband left them, because they fell on hard times in their life. And then when somehow that situation settled out in their life, they fly the coop and you never see them again. Because why were they here? They were seeking the gift. They wanted something from God. They didn't want God. They, they, they thought, well, I need my wife back, so maybe I better. That's, 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 rub, I dream of genie stuff, rubbing the lamp, and maybe God will give me something. But how many times that happens so much? I, well, I better... I better straighten my life out because I need something in my life and so I better go to church. But then somehow it just takes care of itself and then they fly off the coop because they got what they wanted. They didn't want God. They wanted something God could give them. Um, and all of things in our Christian life, don't seek the gift. I won't go here, but some of you know what I mean. Don't seek the gifts. I, 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 some of you know what I mean. Don't seek the gifts. Seek God and be thankful for any gift he gives you. Be content with anything he chooses to give you. And if he didn't give me something that I wanted, then I must have not needed it. Or I must have not been able to handle it. Or whatever that may be. Don't seek the gift. Seek the giver. Some of you men know out here that 
There's been times in your relationship with your spouse that you uh, sought sex and you weren't nearly as successful in receiving that as it had been if you'd have sought her. Right? Every woman is more likely to give the gift if you seek her. And there's lots of, lots of, lots of examples that I could go on and on and on and on. And, and, and this, this is something, and, and, and whatever you do, whatever gifts, blessings that you would like for God, the, the, the thing is seek Him. Seek Him. And He may give you the blessing that you want. Or if not, you can have Him and you'll be peaceful and content in whatever He gives you. It, it's fascinating that in John chapter 6, this is right after, this is just like about... Um, Maybe in the same chapter that Jesus just fed the, the, the 5,000. And so they, they went looking for Jesus. He crossed the lake and they went looking for him and said, Rabbi, when did you get here? And then in the next verse, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You're seeking me because of something I gave you. And then the next verse says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal and approval. You're, I just wonder how many of the hangers around Jesus were not there because they were seeking eternal life and seeking the words of life. Peter Peter, one time, Jesus asked him, Do you want to go too? And Peter says, Well, where am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. How many of them, the hangers around were actually seeking the words of eternal life or they were seeking the show? Peace and contentment is an inside job. Peace and contentment come from a gift from God, but you've got to not seek the gift, seek the giver. And as a result, as a serendipity, as a byproduct, as a function of seeking the giver, gifts come. I think it's really important. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, if you're single when you come to the Lord, stay single. If you think that you can serve the Lord better when, when you're married, you're wrong. He says, you'll have more uh, things to worry about when you're married. And I'm obviously putting that in my own words, but that's exactly what 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says. Uh, if you think somehow you can save the Lord, uh, serve the Lord better, you're, you're, the grass is not greener on the other side. And he doesn't obviously say that, but that's exactly what he means. And, and if, you're married, if you're married to an unbeliever, don't seek to be uh, uh, loosed from that unbeliever. Don't seek to divorce that unbeliever. And basically says God will give you grace to deal with that in whatever situation that you find yourself in. So don't seek the gift, seek the giver. And the obvious question is, well, how do you seek the giver? And I could spend a whole lot of time talking about how you seek the giver. But just in the context of this passage, not getting outside of our passage, what does Paul say about seeking the giver? How do you seek the giver? Well, he says, seek the giver through prayer with thanksgiving. Through prayer with thanksgiving. Not, doesn't say, you, he doesn't say, Seek him with prayer and, and lift your petitions and then thank him for everything that you got. It doesn't say that. He says, seek him with prayer 
with thanksgiving. And that's usually a little backward. We would, we would go and we would thank God for what he gave us. But as we make our requests known, as we make our requests known, make those requests with thanksgiving. The verse actually says this. What do we have, Karen? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So as I go to God in prayer, I make my requests known to him. But I say, God, I, I thank you that... Uh, uh, you know more about what I need than, than I do. God, I thank you that um, you, are, you are a good enough God that if I've asked anything here amiss that I, that I don't need, you won't give it to me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that, that you will provide for me, even if it's with this, these things I've asked for or in your sovereignty you know I don't need those, you'll provide for me in another way. Thank you, God, that I'm... That, that, that I know that I uh, have your watch care and your sovereignty and your guidance over me, whether I get what I just asked for or not. And it's not, it's not necessarily thanking God because he did what I wanted him to do. It's thanking God because he's a good God and he loves me and he cares for me more than I could ever care for myself and knows so much about me, what I need and what I don't need. And I still make my request known to him, but he loves me so, so much that because he sees the, the, the whole way down the road and I don't, he may withhold them things for me. I found something that one of my seminary professors, Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, said about prayer. And this is fascinating. I've never said this to you, and I, I think I'd forgotten about it, so I got back in some of his writings and I found it. And he said concerning prayer, when I make my request, I will all, listen, when I make my request, I will always receive what I would have asked for if I knew everything that he knows. Now that's a fascinating statement if you've never got your mind wrapped around that. When I make my request, I know that I will receive everything I ask for if I knew everything that he knows. To the extent that you believe that, you'll be at peace and content in your life. How many times did some of you guys and how many times did some of you gals ask God to, for that one relationship, to put that one relationship back together and now you know that really wasn't the relationship? <laughs> the most concrete picture of this is obviously the cross. As people, were, as people were watching the cross and as some of his disciples were around the cross, they could not have imagined that what they were watching was the hand of God. They could not have imagined that what they were watching was the most gracious and loving thing God could have ever done. Because they couldn't have even come close to that. Nor should, could any of us. Where God is working is um, a place that we always don't know and may never can figure out. And that's why I've told you more than once, one, one of the most common phrases when heaven will be, oh, that's why that happened. I'm trying to tell you that peace, is an inside, peace and contentment is an inside job. It comes from a gift from God. It plainly says that. It comes from a, as a gift from God. But we can't seek the gift, we have to seek 
the giver. And you seek the giver by praying with thanksgiving, with a sense that even it's okay if I don't get this because if I don't get it, it's gone through the filter of his love and sovereignty in my life and he knows that I don't need it or knows for some reason it wouldn't function well right now in my life. And I trust him that much. It can be peace and contentment in that type of life. He also says in verse 8, you, you, you seek the giver by thinking on these things. And that's basically what verse 8 is totally about. Because Philippians verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Fill your mind with these things. Now, I think we know the Apostle Paul well enough. When he's talking about, thing, talking about things that are good, things that are noble, things that are right, things that are lovely and admirable, he's not talking about sitting and looking at sunset. Paul, he didn't think that way, okay? Nothing wrong with sitting and looking at a nice sunset. But he's talking about the truth of God. Whatever is noble, whatever is right. Paul didn't say, well, calm yourself by going and putting your feet in a little brook and hearing the rippling of the brook. Okay, that may be well and good, but Paul, that's not Paul's personality. That's not his personality. He's talking about truth. And he says, whatever is noble, whatever is right, um, uh, uh, submerge yourself. Think about these things. And that word think has a connotation of, of drilling down, not just a, a fleeting thought, but drilling down into you the truth of this. And Paul seems to think that, that the thinking on this will help us be at peace and knowing the truth will help us to be at peace. Um, he says a few verses later, I have learned to be content. The, the, the very fact that he's learned to be content means he wasn't content before, and learning has a connotation of thinking with it. I have learned. I have learned. I did n just not have discovered this. I have learned to be content. So as, as Paul thinks about what is true, what is right, what is noble, and doesn't put in his mind all the things that could come into his mind, he says, he says that that's one of the ways here that we can seek the giver. And as we seek the giver, we just may find peace and contentment in our lives. That's funny. But what, what the world tells you to do is, is many times to seek peace and contentment is to, is to not think and just kind of go into nirvana by just emptying my mind and somehow doing something like that that I can't even explain to you. But Paul says, no, you got to think. And thinking means that you're aware of the lousy stuff going on in your life. You're aware of the good stuff going on in your life. He's not trying to block all those out. You're trying to fill your mind with good things. But what the world tells you to do is basically to, to forget things. And so the world just says, um, ho, 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 to the bottle I go. To heal my heart and drown my woes. That's the world's philosophy. And it could be the bottle or it could be a lot of things that, that, that the world uses to heal my heart and drown my woes. That, that's the world's philosophy on that. Something on the outside that I can do. And basically what it's doing, it's blocking what's really going on in my life and making me feel better for a while. But Paul says, no, you think about, you put stuff in your mind. You don't block stuff out of your mind. You, 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 you get what's really going on. You, 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 you think about it. You just don't mindlessly ho, ho, ho to the bottle I go to heal my heart and drown my woes. Seek the giver by thinking 
on these things. You, you also, right from the passage, I'm not making any of this up now. It's right here, and it's, and it's, and it's verse 9. You seek the giver by being not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. You seek the giver by being doers of the word, not just hearers. Because what he says in 4.9 of Philippians, he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Whatever I've taught you, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever I've taught you, whatever you've learned from me, received from me, heard from me, seen from me, you, you, you put that into practice in your life. You know what? The God of peace will be with you. Friends, we all, we all know that a whole bunch of people uh, are in church of all denominations today, and they're in church for all different reasons, and some of them are practicers, and some of them are doers, and some of them are just hearers. And, and Paul says here, and in other places, that it's the doers that make the difference. And Paul says here, if you put these into practice, you will have peace. The God of peace will be with you. And almost everything that we, when we think on that is true, noble, and right, so forth and so on, has a corresponding action to that. And Paul says, put that to practice in your life. And the God of peace, and the God of peace will be with you. I just got one more thing to say. And, 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 and we seek the giver by, by resting in the provision that he makes for us, and that's mainly Christ. And, and Paul says that in 11 through 13. Because he says in 11 through 13 that I, I, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul says, I, I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, plenty or in want. And then he gives us the secret here that, that I can do all things through him that gives me strength. Now, no matter what situation that I'm at, what in, is inside of me is what makes the difference. I can do all things if I live in a different, if I had a different wife, if I had a different husband. I can do all things if I had a different financial situation, if I didn't have all these kids. I can do all things if I go, go to another church. I can do all things through Christ, through Him. I can do everything that He would ever call me to do I can do anything that he would ever put in my path that I need to do. And it's not through some technique. It's through trusting and relying on God's provision for me in my life. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, it doesn't make any difference if I have a lot or if I don't have much. I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. It's reliance on the one that God has given us, and that he will supply all of my needs. Friends, um, I've, I've said a lot of things, but I think what you need to take home with you is you, seek, you don't seek the gifts, you seek the giver. And as you seek the giver, 
a byproduct, a result, a function um, of seeking the giver is his gifts that come into your life. But the, the deal is, why do you seek him? Do I seek him just for him and a knowledge of him? Or am I seeking him for what he can give me? You know, it says in Galatians 5 or 6, it says God cannot be mocked. <laughs> you see, I think God knows why I'm seeking him. He, he, he doesn't. He, he knows exactly why I'm seeking him. And if I'm seeking him in some way other than the way that I truly want him, I'm not going to have that way that he truly wants. I'm not going to have this peace and contentment that the Bible talks about that transcends all understanding and allows us to live with plenty or allows us to live with want. And I don't know in a mystical way, and those of you that know me, I'm as far away from a mystical person as, I, as anybody ever could be. But there's something mystical about ingesting the body and the blood of Christ. And I don't get it, and I can't teach on it because I don't understand it. But it's, we need Christ in us. Christ in us. And obviously that doesn't come just because you drink a little juice and take a little wafer. This is a symbol. This is a symbol of Christ in us. Christ in us. Bringing with him the hope of all the glorious things to come. So as we tear the little cellophane off the, off the top, he obviously said that this is a symbol of his body that was broken for you. And we uh, take this in memory of him. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant. Not the old one that was in stone, the new one that's in my blood, he said. And says, says do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of him and would that be remembrance that he died for you of course it would be but it's also memory that you can do all things through him it's memory that he rose for you it's memory that he lives for you now and you can do all things through him who will give you strength I close with this story that I'm sure I probably told you before. Um, I was about a year into my seminary experience at Asbury Seminary, and I was done. I was done. Um, and I can't remember back why I was done. I was just done. Didn't see the sense in it. I knew I could call my District Superintendent Crawford Howe back in Northwest Illinois and say, Crawford, can you give me a church? And I knew I could go pastor right then. I knew I could. I didn't feel like I needed all this. And, and so I met my dad in, in Pizza Hut in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And so dad and I sat there over pepperoni pizza and I was telling him, I said, dad, I'm just, I'm just done. 
I just, I just need to start pastoring. I don't need all this. And he said to me, I was living in a little, small, no-stoplight town at that point, uh, Macville, Kentucky, pastoring two little Methodist churches. And Dad said, son, if you can't win the victory in Macville, you can't win it anywhere. If you can't win the victory in Macville, you can't win it anywhere. If you can't, at, at, when I was pastoring in Macville, those two little churches, one had about 12 on Sunday and the other had about 30 on Sunday. Mark, if you can't win the victory pastoring a church of 12 and a pastor a church on Sunday, on, on, of 300, you're not going to win the victory pastoring a church of 300. See, because the victory is inside you. The victory is inside you. It's not your circumstances. The victory is inside you. And I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Father, peace and contentment is something that it's easy to preach on and much harder to sense and feel and walk on a daily basis. But I just believe with all my heart that's, that's one of the gifts that you have for us. I believe that with all my heart. And that doesn't mean that we won't go through difficult times and that don't mean we won't have sadness, we won't have grief, but even through all of that, there's a sense of you you're leading, you guiding, you're with us, and we can be at peace and can be content with whatever life throws at us. We're tempted, Lord, to find so many other ways to find peace and contentment. A new living room furniture, a nice vacation, and Lord, we know none of those things is wrong. We know none of those things are wrong. But they just won't, they're empty. They just won't bring us what it is that we're looking for. Father, help all of us in all areas of our Christian life to seek you and not seek what you can give us. To seek your face and nothing more than a close relationship with you that we can walk with you and talk with you along life's journey. And just be thankful for the blessings and the gifts that you give us. And rest in your sovereignty that whatever you have not given, given us for some reason in your loving care, you know we don't need it. Or we couldn't handle it. Or it would do something to us that we don't need. May we have that much faith, that much confidence in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.